0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in
1: on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Allen back to throw again. Throws one over the middle. It's tipped. And it's intercepted. CJ Mosley's got it. Runs right to the tail.
0: Welcome back to another episode of the Cool Your Jets podcast. I'm your host, Ben Blessington. Uh, yeah, it's been about a, a week since our last episode. We took a little uh, little break there after doing some film sessions with uh, Thomas Hennessy and, and Bryce Huff and Mike DeVito. Um, we had a lot of fun with those, and, and we do plan um, to have some more coming um, throughout the summer. Uh, we, we've been in contact with, uh, with a few other Jets who, who have uh, expressed some interest in, in doing them, so we're looking forward to coming out um, with some more uh, film sessions, just because you know, when you're in May and June and, and training camp hasn't started, there's not much to talk about. So it's kind of fun to sit down and, and, and talk with some some current Jets. But Michael and I were sitting around and we were trying to decide what we could do when we didn't have a film session lined up. And we decided we, we would go and look at um, different Jets players and, and kind of do a deep dive into their season uh, behind the film, behind the analytics. You know, Michael obviously has the best analytics on, on Jets Twitter. And so looking forward to kind of hearing some of the numbers that he brings for each player. And then we'll look at some plays and talk about – Kind of their outlook for 2020 and, and just whatnot, just a whole deep dive on each player. And we thought, uh, what better player to start with than Le'Veon Bell because it's it's it was kind of an interesting or it was an interesting 2019 season for Le'Veon Bell I mean, he signed the massive four year, $52 and a half million dollar contract, um, for the Jets. And uh, you know, I, I would I guess you could say that he, he didn't play to that contract for sure, but you know, how much of that was coaching, how much of that was the blocking. How much that was that, you know, his, his starting quarterback being out at the beginning of the season, just, uh, and how much of that is, is regression. So Michael and I kind of wanted to start with Le'Veon Bell, look at his season, do an episode on him, and then, um, you know, throughout the rest of the summer, we'll have some episodes on Sam Darnold and, and you know, some other um, players that we can, we can break down like this. But um, before we hop into that, uh, Michael, how you doing, man? It's, it's been a little bit since we talked. How's your quarantine going?
1: Yeah, going about as good as it can go. I mean, I just wrote a uh, a post on JetX with a hundred reasons to believe in Sam Darnold. So clearly I have some time in my hands uh, yeah, and saying. plenty of time to go into this Le'Veon Bell film. So uh, about <laughs> as well as it could be going. How did you even sit down and come up with a hundred things?
0: I, I think it's something that I was born to do. <laughs> <laughs> you're my inspiration, Michael. Um, you can follow me, uh, or you can follow the show. I guess that's me because I control the Twitter. But you can follow the show at CYJPod on Twitter. You can follow Michael, uh, Mr. Big Shot, with over his – he now has the 10.0K point, you know, K amount of followers uh, on Twitter. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nanny. What is it up to now, 10.4 or something? I'm not the one who's counting. I think you are. <laughs> winners or losers focus on winners and winners focus on winners i guess um and then you can follow myself and my measly 400 followers that i don't really tweet out from at ben w blessington it's it's morally the cyj pod and and the michael underscore Nania accounts uh you can also find the show uh wherever you listen to podcasts itunes spotify um whatever we're waiting on our 100 million dollar Spotify deal that came through with Joe <laughs> Rogan we're we're seeing if if they have uh, any offers left for uh, cool your jets but you can also find the show at, at jetx.com um just best place to go for for jets content in my mind uh you can do uh, a free trial if you don't want to uh, pay and just check out the content it is really it is worth it a lot of hard work has gone into that site and uh i'm just glad our podcast gets to be a part of it but um anyways uh, Michael, let into it. Before we watch some of these plays and we put, uh, you know, a seven-minute video, which in film talks could be like an hour-long podcast, but before we, we hop into that, uh, just kind of break down your thoughts on Le'Veon Bell's season. I mean, I, I talked about at the beginning of the show how a lot of Jets fans, or I guess fans around the NFL, don't really know how to take his season because he had some good moments, but most of it was quiet and kind of similar to Sam Darnold in a sense, you don't really know how to get a read on the season, how much of that was – just a terrible line in front of the in front of him. How much was that? You know, the ineptitude of Adam Gase at times, uh, and how much of that was rust regression. Just kind of your thoughts on the Le'Veon Bell season as
1: a whole? Yeah, really. When whenever I think of Bell and the season that he had for the Jets, all that really comes to mind for me is just how little help he got uh, from this offensive line. And actually, as we'll get into, it wasn't just uh, the five guys up front. It was the tight ends. It was the wide receivers. Uh, there were a lot of factors going against him. And that's not to make excuses for him because uh, there were also some things that he could have done better. But I think overall, you look at the things that he had the most control over, uh, you know, being able to create yards after contact, make the first man miss, try and get, you know, the most out of whatever was blocked for him on a given play. And then also in the passing game, what he did as a receiver, pass blocker, uh, securing the ball, he didn't fumble. uh, He fumbled only one time all season. So that's very good. Pass protection, as I said, was great. Didn't drop many passes. So the things that he had control over, he did a really good job with. And in the run game, he did, uh, even though the production was not very good, you know, to say the least, only averaged 3.2 yards a carry. Uh, he did, when you watch him play, there's just, it's hard would be hard to expect him to get much more than he did. So for the most part, I think with Bell, he did about as well as he could. But if the Jets are going to really unlock his elite talent, which we saw plenty of flashes of, if they're really going to unlock it, they're going to have to, you know, quite simply just block a lot better.
0: Yeah, I mean, do you think that that regression was, uh, uh, you know, a factor in Le'Veon Bell's 2019 season, or do you think it was more of kind of what you just talked about with with the surrounding uh, parts around him? Because, you know, the first, really, I mean, I guess the first two games of the season against the Bills and the Browns uh, there was no question about it. We were watching the Le'Veon Bell of old. I mean, he—I mean, he might not have dominated the stats sheet, but it was as you'll see through some of these clips, he had some some great plays, some plays where he was just running into you know three guys at the line of scrimmage, and he still was able to get four or five yards. Um, but then, you know, that first Pat's, Pats game of the season, uh, his—I think his yards per carry went down from like three and a half to one point eight or something, and it just was kind of a, a negative um, season, I guess, when it. He never really went back to, I guess, the heights of his first two weeks. Not like they were amazing. I mean, he did have some good games. He had the game against the Ravens toward the end of the season, which is something that Joe Douglas, the general manager, has pointed to as as a, a sign for hope. Um, but, yeah, I mean, how much of this do you think was uh, some regression for, for Le'Veon, and how much of this do you think was what you just talked about?
1: I mean, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm making excuses for him, but, I mean, for the most part, it, I really just think it – comes down to it really came down to the offensive line and you know this could be just uh, an example of an even bigger picture that's beyond Le'Veon Bell and beyond the Jets that a running back uh, wherever he's playing in the NFL anywhere just doesn't have too much control uh, over his own production and that the the blocking the offensive line just has uh, a, a much bigger role in the production of the run game so I really think it has a lot more to do with that than bell himself but again in terms of what he could control he did a pretty good job so for the most part i think it had to do with the offensive line and hopefully if the line is better this season we'll be able to kind of focus on him more and his ability uh to make guys miss to you know make the right reads uh because there just were not many holes for him to actually choose from so it was hard to actually gauge his ability right. uh, to choose the correct holes to you know run the correct way uh and just be able to make good decisions overall it's hard to do that when there aren't really any options to choose from so hopefully we can get a better look and uh, the jets are obviously hoping because they have a big contract decision to make with him after the season up that the offensive line does a better job so you can evaluate him better
0: yeah i mean i, I think it's also one of those things uh where on bell's skill set i mean look you, you don't want to give a guy i think he's making like something like 13 million a year um, who relies completely on his offensive line? When you give a guy that type of money, you you are hoping that he can, um, you know, change the game himself. But the reality is of the running back position, and especially a guy with Le'Veon Bell's skill set, which is a guy with tremendous patience, tremendous vision, is always going to choose the right hole. He does need to have blocks in front of him, uh, and that is kind of what goes to the argument of why you shouldn't pay a running back or why the Jets should not have paid Le'Veon Bell if they didn't have a line in front of him. But the reality is he is a member of the New York Jets, and last year was just, as you said, it's really not an ideal situation for him. You know, he was used to a line in Pittsburgh that was very good. It didn't even have to be the best in the league. He just needed competent blocking where he could sit, stop, make the right read, and get, you know, five to 10 yards every carry. In New York this past season, it was he would sit and there would be a guy in his face, you know, behind the line of scrimmage. There wasn't much he could do. As you said, with the new block and Connor McGovern, uh, Greg Van Roten, uh, George Fant, Mackay Becton, uh, all the guys that Joe Douglas brought in, you're hoping to see uh, an uptick uh, in in his production, uh, like you said. So let's start here uh, with some of the good plays of Le'Veon Bell's season, it's probably some of the best plays of his year. Um, and we'll start with this game. You know, this is one that, that completely got buried because the Jets got buried themselves, and I actually believe the next play was Sam Darnold's fumble um, in this game. But Le'Veon Bell in this game against the Patriots, and, and unfortunately I was here in person, uh, I thought this was probably his, his best play of the season. What are your thoughts on this, Michael?
1: Yeah, this was a great run. And, uh, and you know, this is an example of, again, and as we'll see, this good plays, what he can do when you can get him to the second level. You just see great contact balance as he avoids that. Well, he breaks the first tackle. And then after that, he does a good job stopping on a dime and cutting up field. But, you know, the Jets actually blocked this well. And a, a big part of this actually is – uh 93 there he's he kind of he shifted inside before the play and right, then that yeah. turns out to be the key hole uh yeah. that he runs through uh, that winters actually does a decent job of opening up but yeah you see he shifts in, uh, shifts inside there from the four to the three technique uh, and that's what what opens him uh opens him up but Beecham does a good or uh, shell there actually does a good job of clearing the edge and he actually and gets able- a and, and, yeah, did. Thomas actually blocks for once. As we'll look at throughout this, you're going to see that that's a rare moment he's, there from Demarius Thomas.
0: He's so, done in this play already, though. He made yeah, it. He's already off. done. He's, okay,
1: he's, he's done clocked out. Block. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> he's just kind of observing just like we all were. Look at Just look at that. He still hasn't gotten in. But, you know, from Bell, this was a great play. Uh, and, and really in so many of these games, the Cleveland game, this Patriots game, when they were getting blown out, you still saw him uh, putting in a lot of effort. You could just see the motor and his will to con- just continue getting upfield on this play. So this was definitely one of his best. Yeah, I mean, I think
0: um, if you have any argument for any sort of regression from Le'Veon Bell's season, it could be that he did look a step slower. Um, you know, maybe, I mean, but even even if that's the case, his game was never, you know, a long breakaway runner. He was always the guy that was going to wear the defense down and get you five to ten yards every carry and then occasionally have a big run like this. But I think the thing that stands out to me Uh, the most on this play is his balance right here when he comes and he's just able to put his hand in the, in the dirt there and and keep going uh, and falls forward. Uh, You know, obviously a a smart run by Le'Veon Bell, but physically this was an impressive run for him and a guy that, you know, you could make, you could have some qualms for, for how his body held up throughout the season. Um, But I I thought this was definitely his his best run of the year Um, and could have broke it. If he, if he just breaks this last, if Kyle Van Noy doesn't chase, chase him down, I was hoping for him to, to, to go for six now this is another play similar play that that actually ends up getting called back um so it doesn't get really talked about but it was a third and long i think it was like third and 10 or something and they call a draw which is the adam Gase special um but he does another really good job on this play of of finding the open hole uh, and this looks a lot like 2016 2017 uh pittsburgh Le'Veon bell just in a great block there from tom compton but he just you give him space and he makes something happen um michael just any thoughts on this
1: yeah, and this one was, I'm pretty sure this was a third and long, a third and yeah, 15. Uh, and that that's why the Bengals have such a light front there. They only have three guys down on the line and only two linebackers. So it's a light front. He should be able to get a few yards out of it. But uh, then he he ends up picking up the first down on the second level there with just uh, his vision at the second level. And something that, that you talked about, uh, we were talking about before we started recording, is that, uh, as valuable as his vision is in the trenches between the tackles, just picking out uh, the right hole, when he gets to the second level, he has that you know that punt returner kind of vision where he's just reading right. blocks uh, and, and just the stuff that's rapidly playing out the second level that's you know not planned out. You don't know uh, where your linemen are going to be going. He has that, too, and it's that tackle right there uh, about when he gets to the logo where he's able to kind of break that off from, okay, you got your five, six yards because they didn't have anyone up front, uh, from that to then – that tackle right there that he breaks uh, that's how he's able to get it uh, to the next level and make that uh, a really long conversion on about uh, third and 15 whatever this was but uh, yeah Compton actually he, I remember praising that block when we first watched this but he's actually the guy who got called for the hold. I was just about to say yeah you on that- the leg but uh, you know good job by Compton his one highlight actually turns out to be a penalty but uh, with Le'Veon Bell again this is this is what he does right here. This, these 15 to 20 – these first two plays, these 15 to 20-yard runs are a specialty. Even in 2017, he led the league in carries with 321, and his longest run was only 27 yards. But he's still really efficient and productive because this is what he does. Lots of runs like this. Uh, even if he won't get even, – right. even a 30-yard run he hasn't had since 2016, even if he's not getting those, he just gets a lot of these runs, these 15 right. to 20s.
0: Yeah, uh, I think it, and the other thing, and we, we talked about his patience and his vision, but Le'Veon Bell in open space is, is a dangerous man. You talked about that, that broken tackle. That was something we really didn't get to see much of all last year. Um, we did get to see times where he'd make a great jump cut and be like, oh, look at that vision, And or he, you know, he'd, he'd wait and hold it open up, look at his patience. But there weren't many times where,
1: where we got to see this, Le'Veon Bell. I
0: mean, I, we saw it a little bit towards the beginning of the season. Yeah, against-
1: especially in the middle of the field, because like they got some dump-offs right. to him, and again, plays that we will look at. But they got some stuff along the sideline. But up the middle, you just did not really see him get to the second level like on this play.
0: Right. Le'Veon Bell in open space is obviously a, a dangerous man, but he's also dangerous uh, catching the ball as well as we'll see on this play. And, and he has a few catches that we'll show in this game. Um, but it was one of the things that – and we're we'll definitely going to talk about this – that we wanted to see the Jets do more of is was flex him out wide as a receiver. But just noting this play, uh, you know, I think it's one a great read by Sam Darnold on this play if you watch uh, Darren Olofsky's breakdown of this play and why it's just such a smart throw and, and, and catch by Le'Veon Bell. But also just, you know – He might not be running the the hardest route or whatnot, but, I mean, just his his way to find the soft spot in the zone uh, and utilize his hands, I mean, this is something that we definitely want to see more of in in 2020. So I would say that this is up there with some of his his best plays
1: um,
0: of the year. Yeah, and
1: he he does a really good job of, like you said, he's not, like, you know, sprinting upfield. He does a good job of kind of feeling it out, getting past that underneath defender, but at the same time, not going too far upfield to where he's, you know, going to those defenders over top. So giving Darnold the target to throw to. And then he makes the catch and takes hard contact and holds on to it. So, uh, again, showing showing his versatility, being able to get in the slot, run up the seam, uh, make a tough catch in traffic.
0: Right. And and this next play, I I would say this is probably my favorite uh, play of Le'Veon Bell's uh, season. This is a fourth and one, very painful game, the mono game. But this is – I believe it's the last drive uh, of the game, second to last because I think the Jets got some – kind of you know drive with like 20 seconds to go in the game or something but yeah. um uh, pretty much the game is on the line here fourth and one and when you watch this in the in the broadcast angle I mean it's just like oh he, he didn't get it I mean I remember being upset and thinking the Jets lost this game but the second effort he gets here and we talk about the lack of oh never mind my bad my apologies that's that's coming we'll just since we set it up we'll go back to those plays um but when we talk about the lack of blocking that he got um around him I mean this play was uh just absolutely amazing. The second effort he gets, I mean, he should have been tackled for a negative two or three yards and somehow he fights forward um, to get the first down. Um, So Michael, just your thoughts on this play and then we'll we'll go back and show the runs that I just skipped.
1: Yeah, this is the first of many plays in which the blocking really wasn't there. And and this is like you said, a fourth and one play. So it's not like they're trying to pick up 15 yards here, but uh, the first thing that stands out to me is Daniel Brown there on the edge does not do a good job. Uh, of setting the edge and giving Bell that, because that's the point of attack. That's where they're trying to go. And Brown is, it uh, looks like he looked out outside first to try to get to the safety. Uh, right. and he didn't account for that, uh, the edge defender there. So he cuts inside and that's what should blow up the run. Uh, but Bell does what he does. He's pretty good in power situations. Uh, converted at, and also the, from the backside, the defensive tackle gets in there. Right. Uh, but ag- again, contact balance, like we saw in that Patriots run, his lower half is just, so strong. If you're tackling him around his waist, his thighs, he's going to be able to power through it and get a few more yards. And here he get probably, I think, three guys here it looks like. So you have 58 on the edge. I think it's 97 from the back and someone else. But he breaks a lot of contact here to get that one yard. And, and this is what he can do for you because he had a lot of runs this season or, or games where he kind of produced a little bit better than the yard seemed because he had these short yardage conversions. Uh, So this is a great play by him in spite of – in a big spot, too, in spite of uh, poor blocking.
0: Right. And so then here's some other plays from from Le'Veon Bell's season, both from the Bills game, uh, which led to the the little confusion. But I think this – and I'll just let these two plays run back-to-back. This is more of the Le'Veon Bell that that we expected to get. And it's the Le'Veon Bell that you saw in Pittsburgh, that you just give him some blocking where he can can dance around in the backfield, find a hole. He's going to take it, and he's going to get you eight yards. And he's going to put you, you know, ahead of the sticks – and those second and shorts, those third and short situations, um, these were the type of. Le'Veon Bell might not be a you know, as we talked about, a home run hitter, a guy's going to get you break off a fifty yard carry or something, but he is this type of runner, this type of consistent runner who wears down a defense. Give him a little bit, uh, and and he'll capitalize on it. We have some other clips to show later, but specifically from these games, I mean, this is Le'Veon Bell's bread and butter in my mind. You give him any sort of blocking, and he's going to. And as you said, his lower half is just so strong that that guys just bounce off of him. But this is with. You know The hope is is that with proper blocking, this is the Le'Veon Bell that you will hopefully see um, in 2020. And you saw a little bit more of it in the Ravens game, but really it was this game and the Ravens game where you got to see consistent carries like this um, throughout Le'Veon Bell's season. Uh, Michael, any comments on this before we move forward to some more um, clips? These ones are going to focus a little bit more on, on um, the surrounding talent around Le'Veon and how they let him down. But just any thoughts on these uh, solid carries by Le'Veon?
1: Right, exactly. I I think that's where he adds the most value, not necessarily with, you know, getting all of his, all of his yards in one play with 80 yards or, uh, you know, big runs like that, but it's just being able to uh, consistently get, you know, seven yards instead of three yards, five yards instead of one yard, just, and that keeps the offense in front of the chains, keeps you in third and three instead of third and seven. That's where he adds value. And it didn't really come to fruition this season, largely because of the blocking. Uh, But, in this Buffalo game, they were decent enough to where and, – and let's be honest, he was really on fire in this game, and he didn't quite get back to that level throughout the rest of the season. So, uh, as because offensive line wasn't great in this game. It was just him playing really well. But uh, Bell at his, at his best is doing that, keeping the offense in front of the chains, helping the quarterback throw in these favorable third down situations. Uh, so while there are other backs who might put their head down, get that 50-yarder a couple times a season, they're also going to very consistently just run into a wall at the line and you know put the offense into a lot of third and tens. While Bell, on the other hand, will sacrifice those two 50-yarders and put the offense in a lot of third and one, third and two situations. So, uh, but these two runs are really impressive. Just the sh- the quick, you could, where his vision really helps is how because his lateral quickness is so good. He's able to read it and then just instinctively make that cut. This one right here is really impressive, how he's able to – so he gets up the middle here, and that linebacker gets into the hole, but he kind of falls away, and then he's able to react to the linebacker coming up the field and get back uh, up the field. So he's just really able to instinctively see what's going on and use his quickness to take advantage of what's afforded to him. Cause just on that run right there, he's able to change direction so many times, but these two runs and this whole bills game really exemplified what he brings to the table. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, and you look at his best seasons in the league, he was averaging nearly five yards a carry. He was averaging 4.9 yards a carry. And then uh, this year he fell away to 3.2. Um, so he's a guy that should be around the four fives uh, to try to maximize his values. We talked about, that's what he brings. Um, you know that's probably his best skill, as, as we talked about, is that um, that uh, average yards per carry that he brings. But uh, looking forward, uh, some of the other hidden production uh, that he brings is not just um, you know plays where he's just met right at the line of scrimmage and he and he can get two or three yards. It's in his blocking. I think that's something that, that Jets fans don't talk about enough. And if he is pretty much the the prime reason that Vincent Smith scores his touchdown is this, this block that he sets here, and then even protecting Sam Darnold, he didn't do it too much this season. Um, to this to this level, but you look at that block that he sets here to set the edge. I mean, it gives Sam Darnold some time, something that Sam didn't really have that much this season. Um, and it's one of his, you know, if you want to be a top running back in this league, you have to be able to do this. Uh, and it's something that doesn't probably get credit of, uh, credit, um, you know, enough for Le'Veon. But his blocking is is certainly a part of his skill set.
1: Yeah, definitely. It, it's something that is hard to pay attention to when you're watching live. One of many things on TV. Uh, when you're watching the broadcast you can't really notice that much but like those two blocks are probably his best of the season that one against Buffalo was really great and obviously the one against Philadelphia where he sets the tone uh, for Vincent Smith's touchdown but his his pass blocking is really efficient he ranked at the 73rd percentile among running backs in terms of pressure rate allowed only five pressures given up over uh, 68 snaps in protection so he did a really good job in protection and also had that play against Smith uh, for Vincent Smith in Philadelphia. So it's just one of a few different skills uh, that he brings to the table, controllable skills that he does a really good job with.
0: Right. And it's one of those things where hopefully as the offense can build talent around, um, you know, can, can have other sources of talent, excuse me. um, That that is something that shines. If the jets had a, a better receiving group or, you know if Chris Herndon was on the field and Sam Darnold was able to go to those other guys you'd probably get to see more of Le'Veon Bell's pass blocking instead it's it's really you know completely relied on him to make these big plays for the most part um you know that was the case for last year and, and could be the case again this year as the Jets you know receiving cores it's a bit of a question mark um but looking forward now let's get to the part where where I thought we were going to be at uh which was where his teammates let him down and, and this is you know something that Le'Veon Bell saw far too many times last year to be frank I mean just a Guys were meeting him right in the backfield uh, immediately. And this is one of those plays where I almost I marked it pretty much as hit in production. Because if you look at it, I mean, he should be tackled right here. Uh, and he's able to shake that. And that would be, I think it's a two-yard loss or something. But he's able to shake that and and just plow forward and get to no gain. Uh, but this is something that that he faced throughout the entire season. And if Le'Veon's going to have any – I mean, look, as a running back, you're always going to have plays like this where you just – the blocking isn't there. But this is something I would say that Le'Veon saw – on at least 75% of his carries, if not more. I mean, this play is just ridiculous. It gets absolutely blown up um, in the backfield, and they lose about eight yards. This next play um, was not necessarily poor blocking. I mean, it wasn't great blocking at the start, but this is an opportunity for Le'Veon to to break this one uh, back, as you'll see, against his former team. Look, the blocking isn't great here, obviously. I mean, he's met right in the backfield. Um, But Le'Veon tries to cut this one back, And he actually has a chance. I mean, there's nobody up here at all. All Jonathan Harrison really has to do is take somebody who's who's in the play. So I would say Bud Dupree uh, would be the guy to block. But instead, he goes and blocks the guy that I think it's. I'm not going to. I think it's Cameron Hayward, but I can't see the Le'Veon Bell has already shaken, and and Bud Dupree gets him in the backfield. So if if Jonathan Harrison goes and and blocks, uh, let's just let it run. If Jonathan Harrison goes and blocks Bud Dupree right here, if he cuts, bam. Le'Veon Bell might have a chance to break that loose and at least get some – you know, maybe back to the line of scrimmage, maybe even some positive yards. Um, But it was just more examples of Le'Veon just not getting any help um, from his teammate. And you could really go throughout every single game. Here's another example of it. Um, This
1: is one where Jonathan Harrison just – absolutely. Yeah, there's plenty of examples of Jonathan Harrison throughout. And not to single him out because everyone pretty much deserves some blame. But the upgrade at center to McGovern, even though McGovern is only – uh, Probably an average run blocker. His pass protection is where he's really good. But even an upgrade to average there is going to be so beneficial. Just, just look at Harrison on this run. They're running an outside zone play, and, you know, the nose tackle's shaded to the play side, so he's got to get out, get outside and pin him to the backside so Bell has room. But, you know, his first step there is backwards. You know, you can see compared to the rest of the linemen and also Chris Herndon at tight end, you know, how, how unproductive – how, how wrong that is to, you know, make that first step like that. Uh, and, and it lets the defensive tackle easily get out in front of this play. And then Bell has nowhere to go. He's to cut back and he gets stuffed. So uh, just a lot of examples of that. Uh, if you can go back to that first play against New England, uh, I think three plays before this, uh, one of the big issues that doesn't get a lot of attention is the tight end blocking. Daniel Brown and Ryan Griffin really struggled on this play. I'm pretty sure it was Brown who gives up, the yeah, it's uh, actually Brown and Griffin are over there, uh, but it's mainly Brown who gets knocked inside and Griffin got beat too. He just, you know, Brown got beat first. So he, uh, he gave up the tackle, but tight end blocking was an issue. Those two guys really struggled. Uh, Griffin is a very solid piece as a receiver, but in the running game saw a lot of this and same thing from Daniel Brown, who's the main culprit on this play, but Tron Wesco is going to be a big X factor. He improved quite a bit down the stretch as a run blocker especially in that Ravens game as you mentioned uh, Bell played really well in that game and Wesco had a lot of the key blocks to help spring some of those big runs so Wesco is going to be a big x-factor because uh, Griffin and Brown just do not cut it as run blockers and Herndon as well isn't Herndon is solid in pass protection he's going to help there but in the run game he's not great either so it's going to be big for Wesco to keep improving and give them a tight end who can really set the edge because there are a lot of mistakes on tape that hurt Le'Veon Bell throughout this season.
0: Yeah, I think that was a really good point you made on this play and, and talking about the tight end blocking. Uh, and Chris Hernan doesn't do too too great of a job in this play either. He gets <laughs>
1: – Yeah, we cut him, him some outside. slack. This is the only game he played. He's out for the season after this. You know, Herndon's a god. We give him all the credit.
0: <laughs> we, we can
1: only hope. I mean, if he can
0: make any sort of impact in 2020, I'll feel a lot better about the Jets' weapons. Um, but I think that was a really good point you made um, on Jonathan Harrison's set on this play, when you see everybody slides right. And I would imagine that Jonathan Harrison maybe isn't supposed to slide all the way right like these guys do. Maybe if he, I mean, But if he can get any sort of push up the field, but instead he's getting pushed back and, and just shaken immediately. And this was the case far too often with Le'Veon Bell last year, was he was having to make one guy miss just to get to the line of scrimmage. Um, And so I think that's one of the things and and I think Jets fans are sick of hearing the term hidden production because it seems like we've had a lot of, you know, supposedly good players um, that have had to rely on their hidden production. But Le'Veon Bell, this is one of the things that you can point to the fact that this isn't a negative two yard loss right here. Um, The fact that he's able
1: to stick his foot in the ground here, cut and shake that guy, and then even get any sort of yardage here. Yeah, Those yards are just so valuable, like the difference in a couple of yards can change. The value of the next down by so much. Like just for example, I did an article recently where I was looking at you know first down and second down and the difference that a good tackle that Jamal Adams made that saved a couple of yards. How valuable that is. Uh, The difference in second the first down rate on uh, I believe second and seven and second and four is about ten percent. You're talking about a forty five percent first down rate against a thirty five percent rate. So. If you can save, like, like Bell does on that play right here, if you can save those two yards, you're making the next play much more favorable for your team just right. by breaking that one tackle. So, uh, you know, he gets zero yards here. Doesn't help anyone's fantasy team. It's ugly for his stats. But for the Jets, what should have happened here is he gets stuffed for a two, three-yard loss because Harrison doesn't do anything to stop that one technique. But instead, he's able to shake that tackle, get back to the line or for a yard, uh, and make the next play a lot more favorable for the offense. So uh, that's yeah. really what you should be judging, not the total yards, what did he get versus what he should have gotten. And Bell does that well.
0: Right, and the average NFL fan is is not going to have any idea of this play. So when Jets fans are arguing with the average NFL fans who are saying that Le'Veon Bell's washed or whatever, well, they point to – to the blocking in front of him, and and look, I mean, I, I agree with you. I don't want to give a guy that we that the Jets gave a fifty-two and a half million dollar contract too many cop outs, but yeah, I mean, there this was the reality of his twenty nineteen season. This play right here is pretty much could look identical to to eighty percent of the, the plays he he faced. I mean, there was just always a guy in his face behind the line of scrimmage.
1: He was always having to make somebody miss uh, on this play. To he, Harrison's credit, though, you could see after that play he knew he messed up. He like he knows gives he himself up. a little tap in the helmet, so. I mean, Harrison's he does that. a great guy. I feel bad criticizing him, yeah. but it's going to be great to have McGovern snapping the ball next season. Right. I mean, that's that's the hope. Is that if
0: Le'Veon Bell uh, isn't being met in the backfield and just getting shaking a guy and getting back to the, the line of yeah. scrimmage, you know, maybe he can get to the second level more often and get more of those five to ten yard runs. And we talked about that. That is his uh, his biggest strength. But uh, kind of going back to what you were saying about staying ahead of the sticks uh and, and the different even you know obviously it's a game of inches i think that was something that adam Gase really struggled with was handling those those second and long situations those third and long situations i think when adam Gase was able to get into you know more of a rhythm we saw that a lot in the opening drives where he would script where he's able to get more of a rhythm where he was set up with you know uh, you know four yard gain so it's second and six and then you get you know maybe they get the first down or maybe he's facing third and three i think he was okay as a, as a play caller but when he was really tested in those you know, second and twelve situations, and to be fair to Adam Gase, I mean he faced them. Um, I don't have the numbers on this. I don't. I don't believe that you have the numbers on this either right now. Um, but I, I would imagine that Adam Gase was faced with, and I, by you know, by effect, Le'Veon Bell and Sam Darnold were faced with some of the most third and long situations or second and long situations in the NFL, yeah. and that's not a, a, a key to, to to victory, especially when you have a guy like Le'Veon Bell, when the best thing that he brings to your team is keeping you out of those situations. In that first down, he can get you four yards. Now you're in second and six, and now your playbook is wide open. On second and long, you can dump it off to him. On pretty much any play, and get between five and ten yards. He's keeping you ahead of the sticks. That is what he brings to the table. He's not necessarily, you know, that Saquon Barkley or that CJ 2K or you know a guy who's going to break off those big runs, as we've said numerous times in this podcast. But he is that. I mean, he is supposed to be the level consistency that you see for a running back because we saw it this time in
1: Simon Pittsburgh and you see flashes of it here in, in New York right and and that's a great point because the O-line and you see on this play like he doesn't even have the ball yet and that uh the one technique already has Harrison beat uh to the point of attack there's nothing Bell can do at this point see he's got the ball and he's already beaten uh to the point where he's supposed to be attacking so uh, it, that's a really great point you make because what, he's does, what he does best was really canceled out by the offensive line because as nice as, as it is for him to turn the negative two into zero, as he did quite consistently, second and 10, third and 10 is still really hard to get out of. And he's not, uh, And the Jets don't re- did not really have the personnel to be able to get out of those situations, whether it's pass protection, uh, having a receiver who's able to run a curl, run a quick fade, a quick slant. Uh, to get those 10 yards. And as we've said, Bell is not the burner. Who's going to get those 10 yards in third and 10. So not being able to have Bell get you into those uh, third and two, third and four situations definitely hurt. And the offensive line was a big part of that. So hopefully if they can just do a little bit better blocking, he could uh, be able to get them into some more more favorable third downs.
0: Yeah. I mean, Le'Veon Bell has traits that uh, he doesn't necessarily need the most amazing offensive line in the, in the world to be successful because at that point you could say he's a system running back. He has traits that that are very, uh, very valuable. All he needs is pretty much a a competent offensive line to show what he's worth as a running back. If you give him a good offensive line, you're getting an amazing pro bowl running back. You give him a solid offensive line, you're getting a good solid running back for this team. And I think that's the way you look at it, but you give him a bad running back. You're going to get a guy who, you know, one, as we just talked about, you're limiting what he brings to the team as far as keeping ahead of the sticks. You're not allowing him to express, you know, his patience and his vision. You're just limiting who he is as a player. And like, look, a bad offensive line does that for pretty much everybody, but especially a running back, and especially a running back with yeah, Le'Veon Bell. Exactly. Like, that. I
1: looked at 2018, and not to say Isaiah Crowell or was, yeah, i not say Isaiah Crowell was good, but it's like a kind of running back like him who puts his head down and gets a lot of big runs can bail you out now and then, like we saw in uh, the, the game against the Broncos that season. Uh, and, and the the lines game that season, like now and then he's going to break off an 80 yard run or a couple 20 yard runs in a game. And it'll make your run game look good. But over the rest of the season, he's getting, you know, picking up a ton of stuff behind the line and that's where it all bounces out. And in those situations, bell is getting back to the live scrimmage, but uh, a, a running back like that can now and then bail out a bad offensive line. And bell is not really going to do that from a production standpoint. So, I think Bell's the type of back who gets exponentially better, the better his offensive line is because what he does best is taking advantage of what his offensive line does. So the more they're doing, then it's just going to exponentially increase what Bell's bringing to the table.
0: I think, yeah, I think that, I think you, you, you put that, that perfectly. Um, So now let's, let's go ahead and and take a look at um, some of the stuff that he did well in Pittsburgh Um, and and we'll show a play that that, uh, what they ran in Pittsburgh and then, kind of what they did um, similarly in 2019 for the Jets. But a lot of these are things that we want to see the Jets do more of in 2020 and how they can capitalize on, yes, what we just talked about, but there were ways to capitalize on Le'Veon Bell's skill set, even with a bad offensive line. Um, uh, and I guess we'll, we'll just hop right into it. Uh, I guess the first would be throwing to Le'Veon Bell more uh, on these little dump-offs and, and checkdowns. And, and I would imagine um, that part of the reason that the Jets didn't do too much of that uh, was because they weren't comfortable leaving Sam Darnold, especially on those third downs and whatnot, which are where a lot of these dump offs come from, uh, weren't comfortable leaving uh, Sam Darnold in, in five-man pass protection. They were worried about um, the, the pressure that was going to be on him. Um, so a lot of times, you know, Gase would leave a running back or an extra tight end or whatnot in the backfield. Um, and, you know, look, when, when Gase has to choose between leaving a tight end to block or running, block, or running back, if he has to choose one, we've seen Sam Darnold's success throwing to the tight end. So a lot of times I think that that Gase – uh, would defer to leaving Le'Veon Bell or Ty Montgomery or Blau Powell into block. Um, but this is something that you can really take advantage of um, uh, for uh, Le'Veon Bell's skill set. Uh, you know, especially when you have a young quarterback like Sam Darnold, who's only 22. You have a guy like Le'Veon Bell who can just come up on these little, even this little curl route. And he, I think this is a third and ten, too. And he throws it to him pretty quick. But you have a guy like Le'Veon Bell, who we've already talked about how dangerous he is in, in, in open space, One, you're just feeding it to him in open space. But you bring a guy like Le'Veon Bell, put him on a little curl route, that also forces these linebackers to come down and these safeties to come down. And that opens up crossing routes for your tight ends or Jameson Crowder. You know, it could even affect things down the field more. It's just Le'Veon Bell can be the vocal point of your offense without having the ball in his hands. And he can also be you know, a tremendous uh, safety net, as, as we see here. They get the first down, gets into open space. That's 15 yards. Uh, here's another example of it, which is you know, probably one of the dirtiest stiff arms I've ever seen. You know, or ben Roethlisberger looks, doesn't like what he sees, dumps it off to Le'Veon Bell, gets it to him in open space, and look what he does with it. I mean, he takes it all the way. Down. I mean, this would have been one of the longest plays, if not the longest play of the Jets' uh, season. Line. I guess they had the, the big touchdown to Robbie. Um, and, the, and then here's another example of it that they used for Luke Falk. Um, considering he didn't want to throw down the field. They dump it off to Le'Veon Bell, he gets a hurdle, and he gets a big gain. Um, So this was one of the things that I wish we could have seen more of. You know, I think part of it was, um, one, Sam's tendency to want to push things down the field. You know, he has an aggressive mindset. Um, But two, probably comes in hand with with the protection. But if he can utilize Le'Veon Bell, instead of, at times, forcing it into triple coverage, uh, if he can just recognize, look, let me just take it you know, let's say it's a second and 10. Let me give it to Le'Veon Bell. Let's get six yards here. We'll be set up shop for third and four instead of a third and 10. This is something that Le'Veon Bell can help you with, regardless of how the offensive line is playing.
1: Yeah, and this play right here, I think, is something. uh, I think overall, Bell not getting those middle-of-the-field touches is mostly, uh, I think that's mostly criticism of Darnold. I think that's one of the biggest things he can do better, uh, is checking the ball down, being able to understand sometimes that the best play available is to just, you know, hit the man underneath, whether it's Bell. In this situation, like, this right here is a great read. It's the absolute best play he could have made. It gives them a first down. That's beautiful right there. And okay. this is exactly what he needs to do to and do not, more of, and I think that could get Bell more involved.
0: Yeah, not to cut you off, I mean, except I'm blatantly cutting you off. You know, a lot of times you hear <laughs> for for a young quarterback, you know, look for the check time, take, you know, under just like what you just said, understand that it's okay to, to, to make this check down. It's not only that for Sam Darnold, he has maybe the best running back in the NFL for the checkdown. So right. not only is it something where he can take advantage of it, like you know pretty much all young quarterbacks can, but not only are you taking advantage of it and you know only getting three to five yards, this is a guy who can break it for you know twenty to thirty yards. A lot of his biggest gains in the NFL aren't from runs; they're from little checkdowns like these. And people compared Sam Darnold to Ben Roethlisberger at times, and I do see some similarities. This is something he can really pick up from Ben Roethlisberger: the the ability to understand. Look. It's a game of inches. Let me get my – you know, this is something that Ben Rothsberger and even you look at a guy like Tom Brady made a living on was these little dink and dunks. If the defense is going to give you Le'Veon Bell for five yards, take Le'Veon Bell for five yards because, one, that's five yards, and, two, that could be 25, 30 yards. But continue with what you're saying.
1: Yeah, exactly, and I think that's the biggest thing for Sam Darnold in his progression is toning down his aggressiveness a little bit. You never You want to find a perfect middle ground. You don't want to be too aggressive. You don't want to be too conservative. You want to be able to read the situation in uh, both, you know, in terms of actually, you know, scanning it, but also instinctively just being able to feel out everything that's going on, understanding what the best decision is and executing it. And Darnold, I think, a little too often is on the more aggressive end of the spectrum and leaves plays like this to lay beyond Bell on the field. So having Bell around this year is going to be still really positive for him because, especially seeing the film from this past season, I think he's really going to be able to take a step back and look at some of the plays that he missed, uh, trying throws downfield that were not very high percentage plays uh, when the best play available is a checkdown, And even in that Bengals game, a, a few plays after this one, I think against the Bengals, there was a very similar play where Darnold did not check it down to Le'Veon Bell. And you can actually see a little bit of frustration from Bell uh, for not getting the pass. It, it was later in this game, but uh, this is something that Darnold can do better with and having Bell around is uh, as you said, probably the best safety net in the league. So having him again should definitely help him progress. And Roethlisberger is a guy. Uh, and Brady as well. is. You can just take a lot away from those guys. As talented as they are from an arm strength perspective, the elite quarterbacks know when it's time to check the ball down. Right. So having Bell is going to help Darnold do that.
0: Look, yeah, and Brady's dumping it off to James White. you know, And, and exactly. Darnold gets to dump it off to Le'Veon Bell. No, no just to James White. But <laughs> Le'Veon Bell, especially in the open field and the way what he can do as a pass catcher, um, it's just something that not really many other running backs, if any, uh, bring to the table. But yeah, I mean, this is just a perfect example of Ben, you know, look, the Steelers running a pretty aggressive concept here with, with both AB and uh, might be Martavis Bryant. I don't really know. I can't tell, um, you know, running down the field and Ben Rothsberger looks, you know, maybe I could try to fit that in there, but that safety's right there. I, I don't think I'm going to try Heath here. Hey, look, Le'Veon Bell's wide open. Let me just dump it off. And it ends up getting probably about as actually more yards than any of those routes would have gotten. Um, to to Antonio Brown and Martavis Bryant as he gets it all the way down to about the 15 yard line. So yeah, I think this is something that, as I said earlier, if if the offensive line is playing well, um, you know, regardless, you can do it w- with the poor offensive line. But if the offensive line is playing well and Gase is more confident, you know, just having five man blocking, um, it's something that will really open up um, uh, for the Jets. And I think, uh, you know, again, I don't want to ha- you know come hard too hard. I don't want to come down too hard on Adam Gase. Uh, but I think part of it was he was worried about the blitz. Um, and so he would keep Le'Veon Bell in, except, you know, as somebody who's not an NFL coach, I think sometimes it would be, well, you're worried about the blitz. Then give Sam Donald this little check down. It wasn't like Le'Veon Bell was helping too much because Sam Donald was still under pressure in under three seconds. You give him a little check down. If there's somebody in his face in that blitz, the, the, the blocking breaks down. He can still dump it off and get positive yards. Uh, and that's something that we saw a little bit earlier on in the season, but I felt like that faded as the year went on, that they didn't really use Le'Veon Bell. As, as a security, as, as a safety net when things are covered, but also as a safety net when, when the blitz came through. Um, so continuing on with, with something else that, that we want to see, and, and it, it's again Le'Veon Bell catching the football, but flexing Mount wide as a receiver. I think this is something that Le'Veon Bell um, probably does better than any other running back in the league. Uh, you know, that, might be by, that might be hyperbole, um, but especially in 2016, uh, there was nobody better. Uh, as far as running backs go, playing receiver. And that was kind of the argument with, well, you're going to pay him, and he's a running back, but he's really bringing more to the table. He's a receiver. And I don't think that was something we saw necessarily too much um, from Adam Gase's offense. I'm hoping that maybe with the addition of Frank Gore and drafting Michael Piran, we might see more of it. Um, but this is an example of, of uh, what the Steelers did in the playoff game against Jacksonville, which is, again, just showing Le'Veon Bell's prowess as as a receiver, you flex him out wide and you're forcing a, either a linebacker to cover him uh, or a safety, a safety to cover him. And a lot of times if the safety has to cover him, then the linebacker is going to have to cover the tight end. It just creates a lot of mismatches when you have a guy who can do this. Obviously, tremendous catch. The Jets, I think this is the first play of the game offensively against the Raiders. They very similar concept. They flex him out wide. Um, he's in the slot. He's going to run just like the play against Jacksonville. He'll run to the flat and then cut up field. Um, and I believe he, as I just said, let me make sure. Yeah, he, he actually has initially the linebacker, um, goes to cover him as you'll see up here. Um, but then the safety, I don't, I don't know, I believe, I don't want to guess. Um, but then it forces the linebacker to cover Ryan Griffin. And if that's Chris Herndon and if Herndon can take the steps that we're hoping for this year, you're just creating, um, mismatches all over the field. So that's something that Le'Veon Bell brings to the field that we didn't really see uh, enough of, um, in 2019 that I hope to see more of in 2020, but again, very similar route, you know, different type of catch, but still a pretty amazing catch
1: um, for Le'Veon Bell. And that's a great point you made The mismatches because just being able to split him out wide, even if he's not getting targeted uh, can just change so much because he demands that respect. He's a guy that you have to think about covering man to man because he's just, you know, so difficult to stick with. You can see some of the catches he makes in these contested situations. So, uh, even if he's not catching the ball, there are ways he can help out. And as you said, having Herndon back, and that's no slight to Ryan Griffin, who is a solid receiving tight end, definitely above average. Uh, but Herndon definitely has those, the skills to be a top five kind of receiving tight end, the all-around traits that you want in a star tight end. So uh, it could just create so much for the entire offense. And you know, not many running backs can make catches like, uh, like these two, this one against Jacksonville in the playoffs, uh, and that one-handed catch. Against the Raiders, so you know he was still sixth uh, among running backs in receptions this past season with 66. Uh, And you could get that or seventh among running backs with 66, but you could get that up even higher, especially if the Jets still lacking depth at wide receiver. Uh, You could get that number up even higher. Get him, uh, get him even more of these touches in situations like this in the slot out wide, especially when you're splitting him out. Then you could, you know, get it. It helps you get a read of the defense when you can get a player in motion like that, especially out of the backfield forces them to adjust. You can get a read on man or zone. It really helps out to have a guy who can do that.
0: Yeah. And he's just so good at it. And we, we have more plays later
1: on in this that that are different types of routes. again, It's not just because you can flex anybody out, move anybody, but you know, you could put him out there and you know, he can make plays like this. He can play slot receiver and produce like a good slot receiver. So Ah, uh, the fact that he can do that helps a lot.
0: Yeah, and I don't think there are many receivers in the Jets that are coming down with this this catch he makes here. And, and no. yeah, he, he's certainly a, a super talented receiver. And going back to that point about Chris Herndon, yeah, Ryan Griffin is is a, I think a great tight end number two. I'm happy they signed him to, to an extension, but I think he's more of a, a possession uh, type of receiver. But you put right, yeah. Herndon here with his vertical speed. You have a linebacker on him. Just run him up the seam, and and he, he's a man coverage. You know that because of the way that the defense just matched Le'Veon Bell, and it's like. Yeah, that opens up things for Le'Veon Bell. We talked about how talented he is a receiver. But if that's Chris Hearn and running at the seam, you're most
1: likely going to have an open guy yeah. right here.
0: So it Yeah, just I have opens a lot up. of
1: experience doing that in Madden. I know it <laughs>
0: works. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you hot, you hot route the tight end to a seam. You, you flex out the receiver or you flex out the running back. And believe me, I know all the money plays. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I just think it's one of those things where, again, just like the dump offs, it, I think it did come down to the lack of confidence that Adam Gase had in his starting five up front. I think that he, you know, Pittsburgh did it probably better than anybody coming out in these little empty formations. Um, I'm trying to get to it. Uh, Coming out in these empty formations where you can get a read, um, as we just talked about, on the defense and flexing Bell out out wide, but you're really only capitalizing on those mismatches if you're coming out empty like this. Um, And I guess you can block the tight end, but um, just with the way that things were going for Sam Darnold, I mean, he was really having two to three seconds to make these throws. And I think that was hopefully part of the reason they didn't run too many of these Um, but I would love to see more empty plays, especially if the offensive line can play better, flexing Levy on bell out, you know, taking advantage of the tight end mismatch and then also throwing it to him. It's just another way to get him the ball, especially if the run game, uh, isn't working. Um, moving forward, uh, I think another thing that, that we want to see is more of these outside runs. Uh, I think we talked and you, you alluded to it a little bit earlier. Um, but this is something that we were talking about before, um, we started recording that, you know, look, you can take advantage of Le'Veon Bell's patience and vision and he doesn't have to be, you know, running right up the middle and and jumping, you know, in between the tackles. You can give it to him in a situation like this um, where he gets to read it. One, he's in open space. So you're taking advantage of that. He's most likely going to have a one-on-one, you know, I, again, maybe Gase didn't have the confidence in his offensive line to, to flex out, uh, or have the athleticism to come out. Maybe that's a, a positive with the drafting of, of Makai Becton, bringing in George Fant, uh, and hopefully the development of Chuma Adoga, that maybe Gase is going to be more confident and, you know, running his tackles out wide and in these athletic type of scenarios, but you don't even have to just giving Le'Veon Bell the ball outside in open space and allowing him to still use that patience and still use that vision, but in a way that's, you know, running more East, West than North, South. Uh, and he, look how much, you know, Uh, Look how many yards he gets on that play. This is something that the Jets did run a few times. I think both these clips are actually from the Browns game. Uh, And this is a third and three or something. And Le'Veon Bell powers forward. He takes the one-on-one and he gets the first down. It was a positive play. But I guarantee you, you run that ball up the middle, just looking at the way that the Jets were run-blocking, I don't know if he's getting that first down, but you give it to him outside and, and he can take advantage of it. He makes good things happen on the outside. And I think that was one of the things that was so frustrating about the Bengals game was because the Bengals were so right, bad yeah. at defending outside runs and Gates just kept pounding the rock inside instead of doing things more like this. Give it to him open space. Look at that. I mean, he just shook that guy with, with ease and he gets eight or nine yards. Um, so I think that's another thing where if the, the run game isn't happening up the middle, you can flex. you can bring him on these outside runs and he's going to
1: take advantage of it. It just capitalizes on that patience and that vision. I like that you brought up the Bengals game because that was the that was the game where this kind of really stood out as a criticism because the Bengals came into that game as uh, I believe the worst defense in the league against outside runs in terms of yards per carry on runs directed either right end or left end in the play by play and the Jets didn't run a single one of those in that entire game and they didn't run the ball a lot because they were trailing pretty quickly you had to Darnold through almost fifty passes in that game uh, but the runs they did the runs that they did. Uh, call on that game none of them were to the outside uh, so it just wasn't and, and that seems like a pretty consistent criticism of Gase going back to Miami uh, in which he's kind of just not stubborn but just not doing the best of job uh, kind of playing to the weaknesses of the opponent the strengths of his team uh, just kind of reading uh, the strengths and weaknesses of both sides and it really stood out in that Bengals game so I think that was a legitimate criticism but at the same time and we're kind of you know giving him uh, the whole team, this disclaimer for everything, uh, the Jets did not really have the personnel to do that. And, and Brandon shell you can see on this play, he is he is a guy who had some athleticism to kick out. But overall, Kelvin Beecham, you cannot run outside behind him at all. And, you know, he actually had a pretty nice block on the backside there. But uh, this is one of the few, success, un, a few successful runs, so it's not like it's representative. But Kelvin Beecham is not a guy who can kick out uh, and run behind at all. He's a very – clean pass protector but in the run game offers very little and shell on the other side for as many nice blocks he had like this there were uh, a lot of not so great blocks which he wasn't able to maybe three out, times as many not so great blocks. yeah maybe for every one of these there was a whole game of not good blocks <laughs> so uh you do give Gase, you know the excuse and it's, it's legitimate of not having the personnel to really run outside as much because it does take uh, kind of more unique physical ability than running up the middle probably does from your offensive line, so you do give them that, and hopefully with uh, kind of a theme throughout some of the additions they made up front, Makai Beckton, George Fant, some guys who have some athleticism and can move. Connor McGovern as well has experience pulling, getting to the second level. So uh, the athleticism they've added, it seems like that could be a goal to kind of get that outside run game going uh, and give Bell more opportunities to you know be a punt returner. As I said earlier, just. Uh, instead of reading blocks kind of reading gaps just getting into an open field situation and making guys miss like he does in these couple plays Uh, and also just using his nose for the sticks which he has uh, which is another one of his great traits he knows where the marker is he's willing to you know pick up only three yards if three yards is a first down he's going to get three yards and that's what he can do so hopefully these athletic offensive line additions actually prove to be useful in the outside game and you know you can point to athleticism all you want with Fant uh, and all these guys, but you know, hopefully, actually transfers into good outside blocking to get Bell going on plays like these.
0: Yeah, and I think you know, and this is something that we actually have a, uh, a few plays for in a minute, but I think another reason he talked about the personnel that the jets didn't have the personnel to run these type of plays. And you talk about the tackles and the offensive line, but again, with the receivers and the tight ends, the blocking from, from those positions was pretty terrible for the jets. Yeah. And tight ends as
1: well. I didn't bring up tight ends yes. are huge in that outside game.
0: Yes. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, and I think, I, I don't know how Ryan Griffin does in this. actually Ryan Griffin does a good job in this play. And that's part of the reason they're able to do it. But yeah, if, if Trayvon Wesco can take the next step, if Chris Herndon can come back, um, well, I hope he's coming back, but um, uh, that'll obviously help these outside run situations. But again, it's the receivers a lot of the times that make or break whether a run is going to be, you know, 10 yards or it could be 25, 35 yards. And with the Jets having outside blocking of, of Robbie Anderson and Demaryius Thomas, both of whom really had no interest in blocking. I think Robbie did try, but, you know, with his six three hundred ninety pound frame, he wasn't really built for blocking. And Demaryius Thomas you know, I think he brought a lot of veteran leadership and made some solid plays, but in the run game, I mean, he was probably the worst blocker I've ever seen as a receiver and you'll see a play later on where he just completely gives up. But I think that was another reason why they were not able to run these outside um, type of runs. Now, I think Denzel Mims, from what I've seen in his college tape, I think that was one of the things that really stood out to me as a positive um, that his blocking was, was pretty superb. So I'm excited to see um, if Le'Veon Bell can capitalize on that specifically in these outside plays. Um, I don't know about Brashad Perriman. Michael, I don't know if you have more of an understanding of Brashad Perriman's blocking skills. Um,
1: Yeah, Perriman's run blocking grades are typically uh, around the 40th percentile, so a little below average. But the Jets did have, according to Pro Football Focus, the second worst run blocking grade at wide receiver last year. And Robbie, as you said, he tried. Robbie did give a pretty good effort, I think. But, you know, at his physique, he's not going to make much of an impact. But Thomas, and we have a good example coming up, Thomas's effort at times was just not excusable, and that really hurt them. But Denzel Mims, as you said, his tape, you turn it on, his willingness to block, uh, and not only that, just his technique and strength and drive to actually make productive blocks, push his man downfield, really stands out. Mims should really help. Paraman should be decent, so that should help as well.
0: Yeah, and I think that will really open up the playbook, having guys who can block on the outside, um, because it's obviously just something that the Jets could not do at all last year. Um, now, looking forward to these next few plays that are coming up. Again, we, I think we talked about this a little bit um, towards the beginning with some of those Buffalo plays, but I think this is another example, you know, because many Jets fans watched Le'Veon Bell in a Jets uniform, but didn't get, you know, I mean, I would assume people saw him in a Steelers uniform, but didn't maybe watch his full games um, that he had uh, for Pittsburgh. So just again to just type of show the type of running back that Le'Veon Bell is, uh, it's this type of running back. You give him any sort of space and he's going to get to these ten yards. I think this is a it was just a perfect play to. to display this I think he maybe gets 12 or 13 yards in this play um but this is something that if the blocking can improve these are the types of runs that you want to see Le'Veon Bell have consistently throughout the year we saw a little bit in the Ravens game look he he had good blocking especially Wesco in that play and he gets 12 13 yards that was vintage Le'Veon Bell even in this game not the best blocking but you give him a little sliver bam again I think it's Wesco Wesco again um and and he's taking advantage of that baby (laughs) baby Gronk (laughs) and he's taking advantage of that um And so that's the type of runner that you want to see. And that's, again, comes back to the offensive line. If they can just give him something. And I think what these clips just demonstrate is that he doesn't need amazing blocking. I mean, this blocking is actually pretty good in this play. But specifically with that Eagles play, he doesn't need amazing blocking. He just needs some sort of blocking. Guys who can give him some sort of chance to get to that second level. And he's going to make teams pay.
1: Yeah. And let's give Brian Winter some credit in that Eagles run. He sent Fletcher Cox to the ground on that play. And that's kind of what springs that one. But Wesco on both these runs, you could see the value of having, well, Wesco's, you know, a fullback or an H back on these oh, two plays. Hold
0: uh, on. Hold and, on. And hold on. Hold on. I, I want to go back to acknowledge you. You're right. Brian Winters does absolutely just shove Fletcher yeah, Fox say, look in the at that. ground. Let's give him some credit where it's due. Didn't even, even, down, look, it didn't down even try. <laughs> he wasn't even trying. He just literally. Win,
1: Winters has those. His high points are about as good as anyone's. It's just that they're not very consistent. Uh, but Wesco stands out on these two plays and it shows the value of and again he's not a tight end here but it's just you know the non-offensive lineman how important right. they are and Robbie too on that play taking Marcus Peters down the field so it just shows what a committee effort that a, a successful run play is Harrison actually does what he didn't do in that Giants play and gets to the play side takes that guy pins him to the backside. Khalil, Khalil on that, that play knocks <laughs> him down but Like, you see, like, these are just, you know, pretty good 15-yard runs. How many good blocks are pointing out? Uh, Even Ryan Griffin gets to the second level there and doesn't really throw the block, but is able to, you know, keep that defensive back out of it. Just so many – it's such a committee effort to make these plays happen. Only one guy needs to get to the ball to make the tackle. Uh, And you see the Steelers did a great job on that inside zone play, but – Uh, It's such a committee effort. So if you have bad run blocking tight ends, bad run blocking receivers, bad center, bad guards, bad tackles, it's not going to work no matter how good your running back is. So hopefully the jets with these, you know, new additions on the offensive line, West coast production, uh, progression, uh, and also Denzel Mims and Perriman at receiver, you can have a more just simply better run blocking.
0: Right. And look at this. And you talk about how, how it's, it's really just one unit, and you see how well uh, Pittsburgh plays as one. They're in 12 personnel, which is something that I expect the Jets to run fairly often in 2020, you know, with Chris Herndon and, and Ryan Griffin, or maybe that's Trevon Wesco in this case, since it's going to be a run. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, they just work together. I mean, 74 passes on to 66. Le'Veon Bell takes it up the middle. I mean, it's, it's a lot of times it looks like it was five one-on-ones for the Jets, whereas the Steelers, it was just a one-on-one. Uh, And I think that's something that, you know, look, I think the Jets may be affected uh, on the offensive line with this whole, how long the the quarantine lasts and if they're able to get in the field together and build that chemistry, Um, because if they're able to build that chemistry, you're going to see more runs like these from Le'Veon Bell. Um, But it's really, it's going to take some time. Um, But yeah, I mean, if they can just get some sort of space for Le'Veon, he makes these plays happen consistently throughout a game. This isn't just like something that'll have, you know, for the Jets, we saw it maybe once a game, if that. It was more like
1: once every three games. Yeah, um, like you'll notice that most of these good plays, other than the Browns and Bills game, it's just like one per game.
0: Right. and, and But these type of runs, uh, you know, you can expect Le'Veon Bell behind a good offensive line four to five times a game. And I think that was something you saw uh, perhaps even more. Um, that's the type of runner he is. That's the, the volume uh, type of runner that he is, that he can just get these, these yards, these tough yards. Uh, and it's just so valuable to a team. I think that was part of the reason why people looked at Le'Veon Bell's Arguably, at time there was a time where people thought Le'Veon Bell was arguably the best player in the league, um, because
1: uh, just I mean, a- he came into the season as the all-time leader in scrimmage yards per game. Exactly, and he's still number two behind uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Okay, well there
0: you go. I mean, he's he's uh, it's obvious what he brings to an offense. But this specifically, this skill set of staying ahead of the sticks, getting these tough yards. That vision and that patience, which is reminiscent of Curtis Martin in a ways, uh, to just get positive yards and, and keeping ahead of the sticks is just going to be so valuable for this team. And it really comes down to that offensive line. That's something that Joe Douglas knew uh, and, and I'm I hoping uh, that, that we'll see the, the fruits of, of Joe Douglas's labor this offseason. Obviously, the offensive line is completely rebuilt yet, but it's a lot of steps in the right directions. Even just the upgrade from Connor McGovern to Jonathan Harrison, or excuse me, uh, Jonathan Harrison to Connor McGovern, is going to be absolutely massive. And that's not counting, you know, Mekhi Becton, if he can reach his ceiling, or if Chumadoga takes the next step, if George Fan is anything, uh, bringing in Greg Van Roten to replace you know, Tom Compton. Um, these are the things that, that I'm really looking for. And you know, who knows, maybe Larry Warford, um, could be a signing for the jets i mean this is just um it really all starts up front for the jets it starts up front for every team but especially when you have a young quarterback like sam darnold who loves to dance around in the pocket and create and make some magic happen and when you have a running back like Le'Veon bell who loves to dance around in the backfield and and wait and you know flex his patience and his vision An offensive line is just so key Uh, and i think that was part of the reason and you can even go back to Adam Gase's scheme obviously every team needs a good offensive line but when you look at the Jets situation it was just so integral to their success and that's I think a huge reason obviously it was a huge reason but when you look at at their personnel it was obviously just uh, you know, not going to work for the Jets unless they had good blocking up front
1: yeah it was definitely uh, because as you said when you don't have Jets didn't have a star number one wide receiver to rely on didn't have that at tight end with turned and out so I don't I don't
0: even and, think they need that I think they just need competent blocking.
1: Right. Exactly. Block like, and and that's like the point I was trying to make, like how key it was for them. Like, if you just and we've seen it with Darnold, uh, when they block well for him, when the his when he's been pressured on fewer or less than 34 percent of his dropbacks, which is about league average, it's only happened in eight of his career starts. The Jets are seven one in those games. They have scored 29 points a game, and his passer rating has been 108. And he's averaged about nine yards per attempt, which, is, which are obviously incredible numbers. So he's shown that you, you protect him, he's going to take advantage better than most other quarterbacks do. Yeah, and especially if you could keep him, as we've, as we've hammered on this podcast,
0: if you can keep him out of these uh, second and third and long situations, um, that's what Le'Veon Bell can do for you. And that's what a good offensive line obviously can do. I- I'm wondering, did you pull that? Was that part of your, uh, hundred reasons to be helpful for Sam? It was Donald? in there. It was in there. Go check. <laughs> I was that's hoping i mean. one, one out of the hundred. You can check that out at jets X factor. Um, another one. And, and again, this is very similar to what we talked about earlier, um, which was using Le'Veon Bell out as a receiver. This is a different type of play. Maybe I should have lumped these together, but this is a different type of route from Le'Veon Bell. Um, it's not just him running up the field. And we talked about the personnel mismatches again. I mean, they're, they're in an empty set for Ben Rothsberger, which I think is something that, as we talked about that, that Adam Gase was nervous about. Um, but you flex Le'Veon Bell out wide, you know, he's the primary receiver on this play. Um, or excuse me, he just, I mean, he just runs a, a beautiful route inside, um, you know, Ben gives it to him, I think in like two seconds, and he breaks the tackle and brings it in for a touchdown. That's what he can bring as a receiver. It's not just those deep routes or setting up the mismatches. It's just easy yards for Sam Darnold. We talked about the check downs, but we talked about, you know, flexing out wide uh, and throwing to, you know, down the field. But if you can give him these, just these little five-yard hitch routes, if there's any sort of off coverage, run exactly what he just does right here. Five yards, bam. A lot of times he's going to shake that tackle and get the first down. Even if not, you're still staying ahead of the chains. Uh, I think it was just one of the things that that he did um, absolutely flawlessly for Pittsburgh. And that's something that hopefully with the, with a, a confident, if if Gase is confident in his offensive line, we can see more of this uh, in 2020.
1: Yeah. There aren't many running backs who can make that play Uh, that, uh, that one for Pittsburgh there, (laughs) Uh, this (laughs) one right here. So, you know, Ben sees that he's got the slot receiver and man to man, he's going to the flat. Uh, The safety is deep. There's no one in the middle of the field. So Bell runs a, Uh, call that a a post skinny post whatever you want to call it but towards the middle of the field he knows he's got that there aren't many running backs who can you know go out wide like that and be the first read and catch a pretty contested ball like that you know it's not the best coverage he probably shouldn't have undercut that route probably should have just stuck with them and tackled them but but still there aren't many running backs you could put out wide and have as your first read and throw a, a deep pass like that
0: yeah. I'll just bring
1: that to the table.
0: Yeah, and I don't know who this linebacker is, but he's pretty terrible as he allows this uh touchdown. <laughs> I mean, he's pretty awful. Um
1: yeah, he's no CJ Mosley. Yeah, he's definitely no CJ Mosley. Um actually, is that CJ Mosley as yes, we say that? Oh my god. Did we really just do that? I that was, think that is him. Oh my gosh. Yeah,
0: that was the joke. Did we, did you, what really? is wrong with
1: us? Really? I actually I I was <laughs> All right. I thought it wasn't him. That was the I joke. It you think I was him. just shitting on some random Baltimore <laughs> linebacker? It's right there. Oh my gosh. Not CJ Mosley's brightest moment there, but uh, yeah. he had he had a nice game against Buffalo. Thanks I'm, I'm, for that.
0: I'm honestly, I feel like Michael, I feel like we have a pretty good rapport and we normally bounce off each other well, especially in our, with our senses of humor, but I'm pretty disappointed in you that you, oh didn't, you didn't pick up on what I was what I was laying At on. least
1: it's not as bad as that one joke that we cut out that yeah, yeah. these people are <laughs> luckily never going to have to hear in their lives. But, you know, back to Le'Veon Bell. He's great. Um, more throwing to the ball to Le'Veon Bell. And this is
0: more of, Again, this isn't out of the backfield. Uh, these are designed throws – actually, this is a, a screen, actually, my bad. Um, throwing screens to Le'Veon Bell, I think that was something that we didn't really see much of at all from, from Adam Gase. Uh, and, again, this is – I would imagine, as we've said maybe 100 times in this whole podcast, it goes back to his lack of confidence in the offensive line. But Le'Veon Bell, again, you're giving it to him in open space, and he's able to re, you know, use that patience, that vision, read his blockers, um, you know, Upfield, And I think, you know, here's a play that one of the few times he used a screen, just Luke Falk dumping it off. And I believe he gets, you know, close to the first down. Your hurdle is actually out of bounds. Um, but that is another way you can use Le'Veon Bell. And another way that I hope the Jets use Le'Veon Bell is just in these little screen passes. Just give it to him, uh, give it to him in open space uh, and just let him work. And I think that yeah. was a big thing is he didn't get the ball in open space as much as I would have liked.
1: Yeah. And, and this screen play against Pittsburgh or with Pittsburgh, probably one of the best examples of the Jets not having great personnel because you know this screen to bell look at pouncey on this play let's go drive his man like uh let's see five ten fifteen almost 20 yards (laughs) downfield i don't think jonathan harrison would have been doing that or ryan khalil Connor mcgovern though i think he's uh, capable of doing that yeah with it with Connor
0: mcgovern's athleticism that is one of the things you know pulling on screens and and pulling on counters for running backs or whatever but uh, Connor mcgovern can get down the field and block um so hopefully that's what that's what uh, Joe Douglas's master plan is: is
1: building more of these athletic. Yeah, absolutely, and, and this here is just a good a good play call. It, it looks like I'm not sure if the down distance was, but it looks like the third and long. Yeah, Lewis uh, actually or does second a, and long. Yeah, but, I think uh, it was. You um, see he gets plenty of space. The the you can see that the Eagles are playing the sticks and have everybody back. So right. uh, this might have been a third down. He didn't actually get there. That's why it looks better, but uh, still, just shows you can get him in space and he'll be able to get the most out of what's blocked for him. Yeah, Lewis actually does a solid job. Yeah, he that. actually does here. And uh, let us I like Alex Lewis, but blocking the second level is not one of the things he does well. So this is not a norm here, but he does a good job with well, this play.
0: And this is another example, again, when we talk about screens, it goes hand-in-hand hand with the uh, outside runs, is receiver blocking, as we were just talking about. And look, Robbie Anderson does his best effort and actually takes this guy out of the play for a few seconds. But that's pretty much all Robbie Anderson's going to do. And this guy pops right back up uh, and and basically tackles Le'Veon Bell out of bounds but if you know if that's Denzel Mims and Mims can yeah, exactly like if
1: that is that walk, like, like look at that, like his guy makes a tackle and and this is again not to blame Robbie like you said he tried he did his best uh, and 53 the is best he could offer, right, right exactly but if you get that guy you know pushed up the field and it's hard that would be an elite play if you did if you did do that but you no know, he could have had a chance to you know maybe Uh, even if he doesn't get to the sticks get close to the sticks the Jets are probably down 30 at this point so they could have maybe gone for it so you know it definitely comes into play uh, a lot more than uh, most people you know not just realize but you know even kind of discuss as uh, as much as it really should be and I will say I think that is something from the
0: 2015 and 2016 seasons that the Jets did actually fairly well with Quincy Noonua and Brandon Marshall and even Eric Decker at times was receiver blocking I think that was um, something that that you know, really helped out their offense. And it's something they've been lacking ever since. We're hoping that Denzel Mims and Rashad Perriman uh, is a step uh, in the right direction. Um, But yeah, hopefully more, more screens, more passes to Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield. Um, That's what we're looking for here. Now this next play is exactly what we've been talking about the whole time. It just fits right in with what we're saying. Uh, Receiver blocking. Um, I'll move this little thing out of the way, but Martavis Bryant in this play, uh, it allows Le'Veon Bell to get an extra 15 yards. I mean, it's good blocking, and, again, it shows Le'Veon Bell's vision and his ability to bounce runs outside. Um, again, solid blocking, but he bounces this outside. But look at Martavis Bryant. I think that's actually – might not be Bryant. I can't tell. Actually, it might be somebody else. I don't want to give uh, – it's 83. So I thought Martavis Bryant was 10. So never mind. Uh, 83 <laughs> gives uh, a pretty amazing block in this play. Uh, And again, it just goes to what we've been talking about, how bad the Jets have been at receiver blocking and how much that can help a player like Le'Veon Bell in open space.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that block right there adds about 10, 15 yards. Even though it doesn't look all that impressive, you just have to consider that most of the time that receiver isn't holding that block. He's letting that DB get right in there. And Bell, as soon as he bounces that run outside, you know that DB should be right in his face right here at that point. Uh, Or if not, at least at the 20-yard line. But... Uh, he holds it outside and Bell's able to get another, you know, 10, 15 yards uh, as a result of that block. So that's where yards at the second level, uh, that's where receivers really make make their impact as blockers with those extra yards at the second level. Just to not get a whole lot of what 83 here does for the Steelers. Right,
0: and it's not even just holding the man the, the entire play like 83 does. Uh, and as you'll see in this next play that we'll show from Demarius Thomas, even if – if um Well, even if if 83's man loses, uh, is able to shake 83, I'm trying to kind of speak here, um, you know, that forces Le'Veon Bell to change his angle. And that leads to to, the safety getting here faster, maybe this safety getting here and affecting the play. Just the fact that he's able to hold it for a second just allows Le'Veon Bell more time and creates more of a lane for him. As we'll see in this next play from Demaryius Thomas. Look, Demaryius Thomas, on this ball, let's just watch it, and then I'll explain it more. You know, again, pretty poor blocking all around. But Demarius Thomas oh has a has a <laughs> wide open shot at, at Landon Collins. And even if if he doesn't hit Landon Collins, this kind of goes to what I was trying to say. Even if he doesn't make contact with Landon Collins, even if he's able to just come here and not touch Landon Collins, Lavion Bell can see that. That's a now that's a you know now a new hole, and he can use Demarius Thomas as a pick and run. You know, uh, between them, and he might attack it from Janoris Jenkins here. But again, it's a one on one with a corner. Uh, which L'Avian Bell is, is quite good at he might power over him at the very least even if it gets taken down that's five to seven yards and that was just something that was missing so it's not just on these outside runs it affected the Jets uh, you know tight end and receiver blocking affected the Jets on pretty much every running play and this is just another example of is it. just all he has to do is come in and instead he sees right. it and then fades away
1: yeah exactly and it's it's odd because like to be fair he's a lot of ground to cover so we don't know if he would have gotten there but he, he knows this to. is his assignment. He knows he's down blocking. He's eyeing it down the entire time. Just get in there, shove him up the field, and define that gap for Bell. And, and that's a big part of run blocking, defining gaps, giving right. the running back an easy decision to make. Uh, and doing this, just kind of standing in no man's land, is not going to help Bell right. that much. So, you know, he's got to come against uh, a hard-hitting safety coming aggressively downhill, right, to line of scrimmage. All Thomas has got to do is get in there, get his hands into Jewel, uh, Jabril Peppers' hips, and send him up the field. And Bell can breeze right by uh, through that B gap, and then he'd have one-on-one much further down the field uh, against the cornerback. So, just not a good job by Thomas. And there are too many examples of this uh, throughout his film with the Jets.
0: Right, and you talked about defining gaps. And look, he doesn't even have to make contact with Landon Collins. That's my point. All he has to—I mean, he might right, exactly like all he has con- to do is come uh, here. Con-
1: um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if this was Collins or Peppers. I no, think Peppers, was Peppers. Sorry, yeah, sorry, Peppers, I think Peppers. it was Peppers. But he can see in his peripheral vision that Thomas is coming down. So if he's coming down, he's gonna adjust to that and try to curve around it and get Bell from behind, and that gives Bell, you know, the leverage to get upfield. So it's just not a great effort and it's also- from Thomas.
0: And I think Thomas gets confused because he can't decide whether to block 21 or, or I guess we'll just, Jabril Peppers or Janoris Jenkins. But in this case, you always want to take the guy who's going to have the free shot because yeah, yeah, you always I'm-
1: want to get, you know, it, it's just a simple, you know, concept with all, you know, all levels of football. You want, just like when you're pass protecting, you want to block the man who's closest to the quarterback. Uh, and and kind of like we talked about in that one interview with Mike DeVito, you want to block the man who's closest to the quarterback. if You're going to leave someone free get you know let it be the defender who's farthest away from him so he's the most time here if you're thomas should be an easy decision just come down block block peppers uh and let bell have that one on one with uh with uh janoris jenkins so just a very i said not a great effort that's being very respectful it's a bad right. play from thomas and it kills this run play for bell so way too yeah. much of that from him
0: and it's not like the blocking of this play is great at all i mean a Herndon almost, I think that's Leonard Williams and Chris Herndon. I mean, he I mean it's a tight end on a defensive tackle. Or actually, never mind, Leonard Williams is over here, so I don't know who this is. But um, it's good enough blocking. I mean, you're not gonna have perfect blocking on every play or wide open holes. You're just looking for four to five yards. Um, and instead, this is a a loss for one. Um, but as I was saying, it's like, yeah, if Thomas goes, I think he's just, yeah, he can't decide, but if he takes uh, Peppers. It's like you're giving Le'Veon Bell an op- an opportunity in the second level with momentum in space to make a cornerback miss, as opposed to a a safety coming downhill with when you don't have much momentum at all because you're jumping around in the backfield. It's just, it just was a bad play by Thomas, and it was something that we saw a lot of throughout the entire year. It didn't relate to Le'Veon Bell, so I didn't throw it into this into this uh uh you know uh, deep dive of Le'Veon Bell. But the the um try to think, I think it was the end around or no, my excuse me, it was it was. Probably Sam Darnold's best throw of the whole season uh, to Robbie Anderson when it was like third and one or whatever. He just decides not to run. He throws it back across his body, and Robbie's running. Robbie probably has a touchdown. If Demarius Thomas just holds his block, but instead Demarius Thomas is like waving in somebody to come block, and he doesn't do you know a good job at all of uh, blocking. So that was an issue for the Jets, not only in the running game but also in creating opportunities downfield for the receivers. Uh, not to shit on Demarius Thomas too much. I mean, he did bring some positive qualities to the jets in 2019 and there's a very good chance he'll be back in 2020 um, but his blocking is certainly not one of them Um, now looking forward again um, this goes back to what we were talking about not just screens not just dump offs not just throws to Le'Veon Bell uh, as a receiver but again design throws to Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield this angle route is perfect um, perfectly thrown by Ben Roethlisberger but it's perfect uh, for this defense and Look how far Bell takes it. I mean, I would say I'd reckon that the longest plays of Le'Veon Bell's career have pretty much all come on passes, whether they've been dump offs or screens or plays like this. This was something that I again the Jets did not do enough of. We talked about screens, we've talked about dump offs but just design throws to Le'Veon Bell, not even out wide, just as a running back, you have one of the best receiving backs in the league, and they didn't utilize it. You know, this is a I think I think the next play is a, a little swing pass. Um, that they called in week one. I think it was like third and one, maybe. I believe this is third and, third and three, I think. Okay, it might have been third and three. Um, so it, not an angle route. It's a completely different play, but it's just a design throw to Le'Veon Bell, and it's getting it to him in open space. It's like when Le'Veon Bell has no, had no space the whole season, more plays like this. and like, It's not a flashy play, but again, it's uh, one, it's a, it's a first down, and two, you, you just get to see how good Le'Veon Bell is at making men miss. And I think that was something we saw some Uh, a lot of in the Bills game because he was playing pretty well in this game. But Gase, I felt like did a better job of feeding Le'Veon Bell in more creative ways than just runs up the middle. And I felt like it almost got, I don't want to say that he got almost lazier in his, in his deployment of Le'Veon Bell, but it was less creative. And again, there's excuses after excuses that you can make for, for the reasons why Gase didn't utilize um, some of the things we talked about. He, uh, first of all, he did try at times, and we have plays for each of these circumstances and he did utilize them at times, but Again, it, most of it comes down to the offensive line as to, to why we didn't see more of these, you know, flexing Le'Veon Bell out wide and running him outside. Um, but this is something that we're going to have to see more of in 2020 if we want to see a positive season from Le'Veon Bell. I mean, obviously the improved blocking will, will help his running, um, hopefully his yards per attempt. But if you want to fully utilize Le'Veon Bell's potential, you have to
1: use him uh, in, in a multitude of ways, but especially throwing in the football. Yeah, this is a really good angle route from him. And that's something the Jets definitely did not use him too much on. I don't, I'm don't, i not sure he caught any passes on angle routes for the Jets this year. Maybe one comes to mind, if, you know, if I'm remembering correctly. But definitely not a lot of it. And it's not that it's something that, you know, even the best receiving backs do a ton of. But still, it's just something that, you know, anyone who plays Madden knows how deadly that can be. <laughs> uh, but, but even in real football, so just on this play right here, that linebacker probably holds Bell after he, you know, he toasts him so good. That's probably a hold that didn't get called, but he still beats him. Roethlisberger, as you said, makes a great throw. And he shows a little bit of breakaway speed there to get a 40-plus yard gain. But then on this play, swing pass out to the right, shows you exactly what he does, make a man miss, pick up the first round. Yeah, it's only five yards in the stat sheet, but it's a third-down conversion. Doesn't get much bigger than that. So uh, these are the type of things he could do really well when he gets the ball out in space as a receiver. He did force 18 broken tackles as a receiver this year, which was uh, the sixth most among running backs. So he did a pretty good job in that department.
0: Yeah. I think if you had to make a thesis from what we've seen, some of the stuff we like in Pittsburgh, and I'll just go all the way back to, um, to begin as well, we talk a little bit. Um, Some of the stuff that we saw in Pittsburgh that we want to see him do more of, and look, we saw some of it in New York would be, you know, one, I guess the broad topic would be using Le'Veon Bell as a receiver. You know, whether that's out of the backfield on, on you know, checking it down to him, design plays like we just saw, screens, um, flexing him out wide at receiver. Um, he has a pretty extensive route tree for a running back. And you just talked about the amount of missed tackles he
1: had. Yeah, um, I mean, look at what we've just seen him do in this video. We saw right. him do two out and ups. We saw a swing pass. We saw an angle route. We saw him go and, up the seam. We saw him do a post. This guy has the route tree,
0: right? Exactly. I mean, you could make an argument that he had a better—he has a better route tree than Robbie Anderson as a rookie. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think it would be that it would be use him as a receiver, get him in open space, uh, and, and be creative. And I think a lot of that, as you can see, will come down to the blocking. I think, look, it was the the obviously the key to the Jets' 2019 season, but it's going to be the key to the Jets' 2020 season. Is can they protect Sam Darnold, and can the blocking open up plays for Le'Veon Bell? And if those things happen. Look, the Jets don't need a, a superstar receiver right now. Obviously, that's something that the Jets are going to want to continue to sound Sam Darnold, surround Sam Darnold with weapons. Hopefully, Denzel Mims can, can be that number one. Hopefully, Brashad Perriman or Josh Dodson or even Jameis Crowder you know, you know, take steps and, and can step into that role. Hopefully, guys like Chris Herndon and whatever. But you have Le'Veon Bell. You do have a top-tier weapon. And so if you can protect Sam Darnold and give him time and utilize Le'Veon well in a, in a multitude of ways and what he brings – Um, and especially the way he's able to keep an offense ahead of the sticks, which is something that I think will really help Adam Gase, as we saw anytime he was getting his offense in rhythm, where it was, you know, second and even a second and seven, honestly, you know, third and four, third and five. It was really when we saw the Jets get in these long stretches of, you know, stuff on first down incomplete on second down third and 10 or penalty on first down. Now you're in first and 20. I mean, Look, and the Jets have obviously, you know, made an effort on, on signing offensive linemen with low penalties uh, as well because they want to avoid negative plays like that. You have a guy in Le'Veon Bell though who can really capitalize on what I would say is probably one of the most probably the most important thing an offense could do, and that's stay ahead of the sticks uh, in a game of inches. Le'Veon Bell is a master at that, uh, and that's something that that I think Adam Gase with improved blocking can can really look forward to to taking advantage of.
1: Yeah. And and at the end of the, at the end of the day, 1.2 yards before contact for Bell in 20, uh, in 2019, that was 44th out of 45 qualified running backs. And the only guy that was worse than him was Peyton Barber with the Buccaneers. And he was a more of a situational kind of shared workload guy. So among number one backs, Bell had by far the worst yards before contact average in the league. So he was not getting a lot created for him to put it lightly. Uh, So it, It really all comes down to whether or not they can improve that offensive line but at the same time I think Adam Gase can do a better job of featuring Le'Veon Bell and again will give him you know the the very fair and real excuse of the offensive line not being able to consistently block on screens out on the edge uh, as as well as you need them to be able to to run some of these creative plays but uh, it would be good to see, and again, we'll also see, you know, how healthy, how productive is Chris Herndon, how does Denzel Mims come in, Rashad Perriman, uh, a lot of things that we don't know yet. But uh, it would be great to see the Jets really emphasize getting Bell the ball in creative ways, especially in the passing game where he's proved uh, proven to be uh, one of the best ever at his position to do it. So uh, blocking is the biggest thing uh, when it comes to unlocking Bell. We've seen so many examples from every other offensive position uh, about uh, how he was let down in 2019. But uh, he's a very talented player. He still was in 2019. He has, still has a lot of skills that most players at his position do not. He does the things he can control really well, doesn't turn the ball over, pass protects well, uh, doesn't drop passes, only had three drops over 66 receptions in 2019, which is really good. Uh, So he does things he can control well, still very talented, makes people miss a very expanded route tree for a running back. So he is a special player, still is, regardless of his stats. So it will be a huge X factor for the Jets. Can this team block well enough uh, to unlock him? Because as I said earlier, I think the best way to summarize his skill set as a rusher is that he's going to exponentially get better with the offensive line because his his best tree is taking taking advantage of what the line does for him. The more they're doing, the more he's going to do. And obviously that's true for any running back. They'll be more productive the better the blocking is. But again, I think it's exponential with Bell because the more you're doing, he's just going to take advantage of it at a higher portion of the time than most other running backs do. And really, as we've said numerous times, as you just said, keep the offense ahead of the chains. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more of Bell in 2020. He's really going to help Darnold and this offense.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we, we've pretty much outlined in this video that, you know, maybe athletic, in his athletic profile, there might have been some slight regression that happens to all running backs. I mean, I, that's debatable. Um, you could make a case for it, um, but you could also make a case that this was pretty much entirely what we just pointed out in this video. But we at least showed that the reason he did not have a successful 2019 season was not regression on his end. A lot of it had to do with his the situation that he was in uh, Michael, as far as your expectations for Le'Veon Bell in 2020, I guess kind of what your thoughts, what you're hoping for, what you're expecting, and kind of a ceiling floor type of of outlook for Le'Veon Bell in 2020, which will most likely be his final season as a New York Jet. I mean, unless he's going to – even if he goes to a Pro Bowl, there is an out after the season. Um, if he's going to a Pro Bowl, it's most likely Adam Gase is going to be back, and it just doesn't seem like Adam Gase or Joe Douglas believe in paying a running back. So this is most likely Bell's last season in 2020. So how can he make the most of it? What are you expecting? What's his ceiling? What's his floor? Just kind of your outlook for, for Le'Veon Bell in 2020.
1: I would say from a production standpoint, really just comes down to efficiency. I think the volume they used him uh, is, is pretty fair, what you would like to see out of him. He averaged 16.3 carries a game. That was a career low, but his Pittsburgh average was about 20 a game. So, obviously, that will go up if the Jets are leading more because, you know, the Jets were not doing a whole lot of that, especially early in the season. So, you know, he'll get more carries if the Jets are running the clock out more. But it just comes down to, you know, 3.2 yards per attempt is not going to cut it. So uh, hopefully if they run block better, he can – again, he's not going to break off many big runs. He still hasn't had a 30-plus yarder in the regular season at least since 2016. So it's not about that. It's just about, you know, minimizing those stuffs. That's something he did better than anyone in Pittsburgh. So we know he's capable of it. Then with the Jets, he was stuffed, you know, about as – as much as anyone else in the league. So getting those stuffs down, hopefully getting his yards per carry up to at least four, you know, hopefully a little bit more than that, but uh, getting those stuffs down is the biggest part of that. Those negative one, zero one yard runs. Let's get those up to three, four five yard runs. And I think that would be huge for the jets. And then in the receiving game, he did average 4.4 catches a game. I think I would like to see that a little bit higher is final two seasons in Pittsburgh he averaged 6.3 2016 and 5.7 in 2017 so maybe getting up to at least five receptions a game and the efficiency is a big thing as well Uh, with the Steelers he picked up a first down on 31 percent of his targets with the Jets that rate was much lower he only picked up a first down on 26 percent and also his yards per target was down from 6.7 to 5.9 so Uh, his rate his efficiency was about average with the Jets as a receiver the Steelers it was very good so to get that up as well uh, would be very beneficial and again I think that just comes down to getting him in more creative situations allowing him to run more routes and as you said that probably comes down to better protect uh, better protection having more confidence uh, and being able to use him out wide and you know actually have the time to be able to get him the ball so Uh, I think efficiency is a big thing with, you know, any offense in the league, really any position on either side of the ball. But uh, I think his amount of touches hopefully should go up a little bit. Uh, And it also depends on how well the new players acclimate, which is a big question mark considering the lack of training camp and practice. But um, I I think the biggest thing is that you want to see is receiving efficiency get up to closer to the elite levels it was with the Steelers and his rushing just at least get to that respectable level.
0: Yeah, I I fully agree with that. I think that, you know, there's been some rumors about Gase wanting to use more of a run by committee approach in 2020 with, you know, the additions of Frank Gore and the Michael Pirine. Um, You know, I'm all for, you know, giving Le'Veon Bell some rest and not having to to ride him into the ground. I understand that he's a guy that you want to have playing well into November and December, you know, because hopefully the Jets will be playing meaningful games those months. Um, but I think at the same time, he is a guy who really wears a defense down over the game over the course of a game. You know, I didn't necessarily, you know, Gase at times started to use this approach where he would have Bell in for a whole series and then he would take him out and have Powell in for a whole series. I think you you can use a little bit more variety. I think you can have Bell in on first down, take him out second down and put him back in on third down or, or whatnot. I think Frank Gore will be, you know, a fine I mean obviously I I like what Frank Gore is going to bring to to the locker room and and giving the Jets kind of their version of a Steve McClendon on the offensive side of the ball just a veteran leader that they can lean on Um, but I think you know he's a guy that's kind of just going to run straight ahead and get you maybe two or three yards he's not really a a home run hitter or anything he can give Le'Veon Bell some breaks on short yardage situations so maybe he doesn't have to take as much of a beating Uh, and P. Ryan is a guy that uh, you know, a great receiver has a kind of a similar skill set skill to Bilal Powell. Um, but he's, again, he's a rookie. So I agree with you. I think that Le'Veon Bell is going to have a lot of touches in, in 2020. You know, I, I do think they will actually increase, um, like you said, because I think the Jets will hopefully be leading in, in more games. Um, so they will have more opportunities to run the ball. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, if he's getting around 80 catches next season, I think that's that, that would be around, I think that would be exactly five. Yeah, that would be five catches a game. Which is, I think, what you want to get him. Um, So eighty to hundred catches is kind of the the threshold you want to get him receiving. Assuming he plays all sixteen games, Um, I think you want to aim for about fifteen hundred all-purpose yards. But I mean, that's relatively high. But you know, uh, if you're if you're feeding him the ball a lot as a receiver, it's not you know impossible. He doesn't need to be a thousand-yard rusher, I guess. So maybe maybe fourteen hundred yards all-purpose. He doesn't need to be a thousand-yard receiver rusher in my mind. Um, I think you're right. It's the key for for Le'Veon Bell is efficiency. I think we did see him far too many times and maybe this is, this will point to the positives of having more of a running back by committee approach. We saw him take kind of an unnecessary beating as as in some games where it was just, especially those early season games against the Browns and the Eagles and the Patriots where he was just getting run right into, you know, three guys in the line of scrimmage and just that takes a toll on your body. Um, So yeah, I mean, I'm just hoping that, that, um, that the improved offensive line, I think that's the biggest thing. And, and, even improved blocking at, at tight end at the tight end receiver positions with, you know, Chris Hernan coming back, hopefully the development of Trayvon Wesco bringing in Denzel Mims and even Brashad Perriman, I think, and obviously the whole blocking as a blocking as a whole, and hopefully the involvement of Sam Darnold to be able to check down uh, to, to Le'Veon Bell, I think, and another, and another season, Adam Gase's uh, system. I think all of those things will contribute to a better and improved season. In Le'Veon Bell. I'm not just trying to be an optimist, you know, at his floor, I see him still having a better season than he did last year. You know, I think as, as floor would be getting injured, I think I would say, but if he, assuming he plays all 16 games, I think we you will see an improvement uh, from last year uh, unless the offensive line is absolutely terrible again. Um, but in, uh, you know, if the offensive line can just get to competent level um, I think you'll see him, you know, averaging, having more of those 80 yards rushing a game and less of those like 30 or 40 yards rushing a game. um, um you know types of games. I, I think I think you'll see him um, really improve, improve on his production. Uh, he might not be the same player that he was in 2015 or 2016, but he's still a damn good player and probably the best player on the Jets' offensive side of the ball, unless Darnold takes you know massive leaps. Um, so I think some Jets fans have given up on Le'Veon Bell, especially when you hear the talks that he won't probably be back in 2021. But he don't get it twisted. He's still a damn good player, and his style of player can play in this league a long time. I you mean, know, running backs fade. But the running backs that rely a lot on their speed uh, and their quickness uh, and their physical attributes, those are the ones that, that you're out of the league by 30 or 32. Le'Veon Bell, when you talk about his patience and his vision and what he can do in open space uh, and his ability as, as a pass catcher, I mean, he's a guy who has five to seven more years in this league, he won probably five more years in this league. Not every Frank um so but i'm looking forward to a to a better year in 2020 i think especially with the lack of a jets having a number one receiver he's going to have um you know he's going to have to be the, the man for the jets so let's hope he's uh let's hope he's training not just playing super smash bros because that's all i'm seeing from his instagram account uh so <laughs> far um but yeah it's i'm not just trying to look at this through through green tinted colored goggles as you will see as we do more of these player reviews um, i do feel um, if he's healthy you'll see an and an, an, um uptick in his in his uh production this year
1: yeah he definitely should be improved uh as long as as you said the offensive line is you know doesn't even have to be average it just has to be a decent step up from where it was last year and uh, you should really start to see is start to see him bring to the table what i what i was most hoping to see him bring to the table and that's helped make darnold's life easier by making those third downs the second downs shorter Uh, just based on being able to make the first man miss pick the right hole take advantage of the blocking uh to make the quarterback's life easier and the play caller's life easier as well so uh, he'll continue to bring to the table all the uh, controllable things that he does well and also with better blocking he should be able to get uh, much closer to where he was in Pittsburgh
0: uh yeah I think all uh Good things we just noted there. And yeah, again, I mean, he's, he can be the quarterback's best friend. He's the true definition. If you're going to choose a running back to pair with a young quarterback, Le'Veon Bell, I mean, look, you want a good offensive line with him uh, to, to really maximize his set. but everything that he brings to the table, keeping you ahead of the sticks, a great dump down, a great dump off option, a great receiver. Um, he's he, he can be perfect for Sam Darnold in this offense if they can utilize him right. All comes down to the blocking, but uh, as we said, really excited to see him in 2020 and that, uh, that notion that, that he regressed, I think, is um, – or drastically regressed and had a terrible season, I think, as we just showed, is, is vastly uh, mistaken. Uh, you can follow us at CYJPod at, on Twitter. Um, I run that account, but you can follow Michael, the big shot, um, with over 10,000 followers, at Michael underscore Nannia. You can follow myself at Ben W. Blessington. Uh, you can find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes or Spotify. We really appreciate any new uh, – ratings or um, reviews on iTunes. That really just kind of helps our podcast grow. Uh, You can find us on JetX, um, jetx jetx.com, or jetxfactor, sorry, um, .com. Um, That is where uh, our podcasts are all posted, Um, and especially these videos that we've been doing a lot of the film sessions. This can be listened to primarily through audio, but you can also we'll have the video up on YouTube so everybody can see what we're looking at when we're talking about it. Um,
1: And, yeah, I think that'll do it for us. Michael, any last words uh, before we go? I would just say for our next episode, let's go tune in. I emoji as Le'Veon Bell himself just tweeted two minutes ago. Ooh, I
0: wonder what that's about. I I did see that he talked about he was excited for uh, the offensive line. You think that was just like a Smash Bros DLC or do you think maybe? It's about Smash
1: Bros. He's quoting somebody as
0: per usual. At least we
1: have a good nickname for him if he plays well. We're going to call him Mega Man. That's hey,
0: that's not bad. I mean, that is his go-to uh. character. I will say, I mean, I was saying that as a joke, but uh, and Michael and I were talking about this earlier. Last season, we saw like a training video from Le'Veon Bell every day, and it was getting me hyped up. And I don't know if it's just the quarantine or maybe he's just not posting on social media, but now I'm seeing a Smash Bros. video in every day. So uh, maybe I should affect that into my uh, my opinion that his uh, his production <laughs> will increase. Um, but no, I, I think he's hopefully just uh, using that in his free time. But um, anyways, that'll do it for us. Uh, again, we really uh, appreciate you listening or watching. Uh, we, we had a lot of fun doing this and we uh, look forward to doing more of these um, on different players. You know, obviously we have to talk on Sam Darnold, Jamal Adams. There's a lot of pl- players that we, we are looking for at Quentin Williams that we're looking forward to doing these um, kind of deep dives on individually, especially in these, you know, the summer where there's not much going on. Uh, we do expect to have uh, some more film sessions uh, slash interviews with, uh, with some players or some former players even um, coming. And then uh, we'll, Probably have you know a normal podcast when there's a little bit more news. Obviously, the Jets signed Joe Flacco. We still haven't really talked about Frank Gore. Really, um, maybe the Jets will sign Logan Ryan or Larry Warford. We're just kind of waiting as we get closer to training camp. We'll have like kind of an update, talk about the new schedule, I guess. Uh, podcast. Right now, we figured the most interesting content was kind of just um, these kind of longer pieces. Um, so yeah, looking forward to it. Um, again, everybody, stay healthy, stay safe. I hope everybody's doing well. Um, we'll be back next week with another one of these uh, deep dives. And everybody. Um, Go Jets and let's hope there's football this year.